Recording in progress. Some for my guys and Elijah and little girl named Corinne. Some say the black of the better, the sweet of the juice. I say the dark of the flesh and the deep of the roots. I give a holler to my sister's own welfare. Tupac cares if don't nobody else care. And uh, I know they like to beat you down a lot. And when you come around the block, brothers clown a lot. Don't cry, dry your eyes, never let up Forgive, but don't forget, girl, keep your head Good morning, good afternoon Welcome to another edition of This Is Recorded Podcast We're joined by the young young man at heart Genius in the mind Brother Stark is back on the podcast to bless us This last day of black history We're going to get a real good, in-depth conversation On beautiful blackness And all the joys, the ups, the downs, in-betweens could you please start this podcast off, give them your social handles and everything, because that's what it is most of the time. Okay, greetings all. Hey, Philip the Stark. Hey, glad to be here on This Is Recorded. Uh, this is my uh, what, second, third time. I can't even keep track. But uh, I can be reached on all social platforms at Stark23. If you want to uh, check out my foundation, perhaps you might want to... Um, you know, joining some of the uh, initiatives or even just make a, a charitable uh, contribution at Hand Up 2 3 Foundation on all platforms. IG is the main one. But hey, lock in, hit us up. All right. All right. Now, please give me two good black people in your life and one great. Two good people? Two good, I usually do two good things about your day and one great, but, you know, the last day of Black History Month, throughout your life, who's two good black people you met along the way and one great? Okay, um, well, let's see. Uh, military time frame met, um, was able to um, meet, work for and with uh, General Colin Powell. He's great. I, I can only come up with greats. He was great. You know, obviously his his leadership, um, his vision, his knowledge, you know, what he stood for, where he came from. You know, Trinidad born, Jamaican, Queens raised. I mean, he, he was all that. You can relate, Reggie, being a New Yorker, you know. Hey, life was tough for him, but he made, he made a way. And he went all the way up to, you know, commanded the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I mean, that's that, that's that's huge, you know. That is huge. Um, another another great. Uh, let's see. Um, so many, so many come to mind. I uh, had an opportunity to meet um, Kwasi and Fume. Um, uh, uh, activists, you know, um, in um, Baltimore, uh, I had the opportunity to to um, meet him um, when he actually uh, crossed as an Omega man um, several years back. Um, you know, I had the um, pleasure, of, you know, talking with him and you know picking his brain a little bit. Very, very deep brother. Um, the last one. The third is a charm, but the one that I was most starstruck about, and I never, I never get starstruck, 
but I got starstruck this time, right? I was um, I was a um, senior NCO, non-commissioned officer in the, in the United States Army. I was on my way back from a mission and um, found myself in the Chicago airport. And if you ever been to Chicago, it's you know it's it's a nice size airport, and you know really easy to get uh, disoriented if you're not familiar with it. So I was, you know, trying to retrieve my baggage to um, catch my uh, connecting flight. Well, actually, I wasn't, I don't even know how I ended up in the baggage claim, but I took a wrong turn. And this place, in that bag, that baggage claim area was empty, was nobody there. And I'm just walking along this long corridor. And as I was walking, uh, a young lady, a Muslim lady, approached me, had her garb on, and, you know, she greeted me, and she spoke, and I, you know, returned the greetings or what have you, and um, she asked me, she said, hey, you like boxing? I said, yes, ma'am. As a matter of fact, I do like boxing. I enjoy it quite a bit, and she said, have you ever heard of Muhammad Ali? I said, you mean the greatest of all time? You know, Cassius Clay, but hey, the Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali, yes, ma'am, I had. And she said to me, would you like to meet him? I'm like, I know I'm getting punked, but punk dead hadn't even, that wasn't even a thing then, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I was like, absolutely. And he came out, he was um, going through uh, the early stages of I went Parkinson's, and he, you know, had a little shake, but he still had his charisma. He came up to me. And he said, hey, man, what you doing over here talking to my wife? You trying to hit on my wife? And he did his fist in my face like that. And I just froze because I was like, had no camera. And it was just me, him, and his wife there. And I'm like, no, some, nobody's seeing this right here. It's like you talk about the all-time, one of the greatest moments of my life was to me the all-time hero in the African-American community. You know, he was one who, who stood for what he believed in. He didn't care what anybody said. He didn't care about status quo. He didn't care about uh, wars. He didn't care about any of, the, any of that, you know, stuff that people were trying to pipe down. His throat trying to change his perspective. He was like, no. And he, he, he stood fast. And, and that, for that, you know, we as a people, I know we, for the most part, I know I appreciate him and what he stood for and the path that he blazed for others to come behind him to give other people the voice to advocate for themselves and to, to not sell themselves short and to stand up what you believe, not only stand up what you believe for what you believe in, but to speak out openly, even if it costs you everything. The greatest, you know, the greatest so. man. And, and that's what I learned from, um, you know, I just finished the autobiography of Malcolm X last day of 2021 i made it my mission to go into the new year with the knowledge of the whole book and in that book you know he said that he malcolm x talks about moving off of action because he said a little white girl came up to him and was like is there anything i could do is there anything i could do and he said unfortunately not really because for you and your people i go off of the actions of your people i don't go off of words and that just really stuck out to me because in Mm -hmm. life I could say like, Hey man, start, you know, I care for you, man. I do this. I do that. I ain't talked to you in six months and I just asked you for $30. 
Right. That ain't really showing that I care about you like that. That's just showing that I need something and those are those words again. Not meaning much, but my actions of not speaking to you for six months show you everything that you really need to know. So like a Muhammad Ali, he moved off of action. He didn't move off of words and stuff. He really put himself out there. He didn't say, I care about the community. And he didn't just hold signs. He actually did things. He talk people off of buildings and all kinds of stuff that he's accomplished in mm-hmm. his life. And then it's so sad and crazy that in the society that we live in, that they really didn't glorify him until he started losing him. I, I heard that on a podcast before that they didn't mm-hmm. really start uplifting him until he wasn't him anymore because he would probably speak out or criticize some of the people praising him that he knows didn't really care for him. In rock form, really yep. Speaking yeah. his mind, just yeah. like Martin Luther King, everybody, he gets quoted every year and everything's all great and everything's all good, like he was his great man, but he was the most hated man at the time of his death mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's just a way that the world, unfortunately, has a good way of really mixing you up. The way this world works is that we all going to get caught up in miss information it's inevitable we all gonna get caught but it's just the level of it or what are we willing to accept like you gotta realize when you're getting thrown for the okie doke we all gonna get the okie doke but it's how you fall for it but muhammad ali is a great man and speaking of muhammad ali around those times what was it like growing up in your household what was the music like in the the weekends the family routines going on what was it going on well well, one um, we didn't have the distractions of multiple three, four hundred thousand channels to tune into, right? So when something significant came on TV, everybody in the neighborhood watched it. You know, you tuned in at a specific time. It was only a couple of channels you could hit, but like ABC Sports, the Wild World of Sports. All the boxing was no pay per view when a boxing match came on. Sugar Ray Leonard was was hot. Muhammad Ali was hot. You know when I was when I was growing up as a youngster, and everybody gathered around the TV. Either you at home, your boys came over, or you was over at one of your friends' house, and you know we watched that. You know the music scene. You know that old school was always popping, right? And, and, and one, you know, artist comes to mind, young lady by the name of Minnie Ripperton, right? Everybody knows Mariah Carey, right? And they know how, you know, Mar- Mariah's heralded for her, um, her her whistle register, which is yeah. the highest, yeah. the highest uh, human voice is capable of reaching, right? But the, a lot of folks don't know Minnie Ripperton. Ripperton she perfected that technique, you know, singing years prior to that, you know, best known for her um, her five octave vocal range, right? And, you know, folks know this, know her song, right? But they don't know the name of the person. They don't know the face or the history behind the song. But look, here he go, hold up. Alexa, play. Remember this joint? Yeah. 
A lot of folks, a lot of folks know this. They heard it, but they don't, they don't know the origin of it. Yeah. She, she. Watch this. Listen to this on my daddy's hi-fi. They had an eight-track radio, the record player all built in one. Oh, yeah. That was that, hey, that was that right there. People, you know, a lot of folks never heard of her, but they know her daughter. They probably saw her daughter. And this song was actually an old created for her daughter, right? Her daughter is Maya Rudolph. It's the um the little um African American. She looked kind of mixed. Um, one on the bridesmaids, and she started off on Saturday Saturday Night Live. Yes. You know, but that was made, and you know, many Ripperton. You know, before her career could really take off and her to become a household name, she passed away from from um, breast cancer in uh, I think it was 1979. She was about 31 years old, so she was still a youngster by by you know uh, artist standards because you know they they started you know most of them all started off in church and things of that nature and just moved on you know to their fame you know but yeah that was a good one. And we used to listen to all that old school. And Minnie Ripperson was definitely on the playlist. Yeah, yeah. And now Brotherhood, you talked about that with being in, you know, on the block and everybody hanging out and watching TV. I know that Brotherhood means a lot to you between you being in the greatest frat. I'm supposed to say that. I got a gun to my head. I'm supposed to say well, the only frat. The, the, the only frat. Right. Uh, Omega Sci-Fi. Uh, yeah, this is a story of famous dog. For the dog that chases its tail, we'll be busy. These are clapping dogs, rhythmic dogs, harmonic dogs, house dogs, street dogs. Dogs of the world unite, dancing dogs. sports in your life and then you did the military why is it that brotherhood is so important to you well one there is there is strength in numbers right and that camaraderie you know the ability to you know uh be able to depend on your brother right because sometimes even even though as sharp as steel sharpens steel right sometimes you know we 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 something happens, we're challenged, life happens, and we're wounded. But with that brotherhood, a wounded brother is kind of propped up by, you know, another brother until you can get yourself together and so on and so forth. That way we have longevity. That way we we grow in strength and in numbers. You know, it's that, that, that mindset. And it's just, you know, I, I don't know. It's just a beautiful thing. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, it, for me, I love like, you know, of course, hip hop speaks to us. It's our language. But Jay-Z, you know, he said 
If everybody in your crew is rich, your crew is rugged. No one will fall because we all will be each other's crutches. That's right. literally, That's we it. all going to lift each other up so we can never right. fall. Even in the late, great Nipsey Hussle, he had a, a quote. He said, I taught all my people how to fish. Some caught more, some caught less, some didn't even care about it. But they can never say that I didn't try to help That's the right. brothers out. And it's just like, I love that about yourself and about others that it's always the bigger picture because we only here for a certain time, a season, and a reason, but our legacy lives forever. The great Bob Bob Marley said that, you know, it's like, I can never die. My spirit lives on. And, you know, what is rich? I'm rich in spirit. So I don't know what you mean by a certain dollar amount because Mm -hmm. Marley lives forever. Nipsey Hussle lives forever. Jay-Z is immortalized. These people, Mm -hmm. you want to be put in a certain light in this world that when you leave, you didn't really leave. Your energy and your outer being is not here, but you, the what you left on this world will always be here. So I think that's That's really important. That stamp is there a forever. Yeah, yeah. And then you've always been yourself, even though, you know, you, uh, when I'm, started dating your uh, beautiful young daughter i was like oh god your dad is in a fraternity and he was in the military he's gonna be the typical yes sir no sir and this and that and you know typical military or frat guy like a lot of military dudes did two years and then try to act like oh you couldn't do this you couldn't do that but you've never been like that why have you always kept that knowledge of you what has it been like for you to just always be you? How has it been easy for you to just be you and not be put in a box? Well, the thing is, you know, I know me better than anybody else, right? I know my my strengths. I know my shortcomings, you know? And if I'm constantly trying to better me, I'm better for everybody else that's around me, mm-hmm. you know? And just being authentic. Just imagine, if you're trying to be somebody else, right? You're trying to wear somebody else's skin. You know, that's a that's a lie that you have to continue and continue. And if you maintain that, you know, that energy, faking the phone, trying to be something, you're going to ultimately lose yourself in the mix. And that's not something that I was not willing to do. I'm not going to compromise me for anybody, you know? Take me or leave me. And I always said, if somebody has a problem with, with Phil Stark, that person needs to check themselves because I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I don't judge people. I don't care who you are, where you come from. Everybody gets the you know equal op- opportunity to either you know uh, gain further access to me or just be a distant memory in, in my brain and not even a distant memory because I wouldn't even register you because it, it, it takes too many killer brain, killer watts, killer, killer bites yeah. to, to, to remember that, that person that was insignificant. Now I will tell you this, everybody that you come across, regardless of who they are, you can learn something from, right? If you come from a, a situation where, you know, you were in a single parent household and your dad was never around, you could do one or two things, right? You could grow up and you could be bitter, have a whole bunch of resentment and, and, and treat your kids that you bring into the world just like you were treated. Or 
you can shift the narrative. You can flip the script and say, you know what? I felt like this. So when I have kids, I'm going to be the best that I can be because I know what, what, what bad looks like. I know what horrible looks like. I know what disappointment looks like. I'm going to be the opposite of that so that I can be better for my kids. So, yeah, I, I mean, and I think that everybody like, like um, I just keep saying over and over in every podcast is everybody has to search for that knowledge itself. Cause I can't tell you, your spouse can't tell you, nobody can't tell you, you, you have a relationship with that voice in your head daily. So you have to grow on that and you have to build on that and you have to help that voice shift it into a positive way because we can be our own worst enemies in our head. So you just got to figure it out and you can't, like you said, have that mindset of, well, I had it rough. So these kids, I think a lot of parents get caught up in the like, well, y'all got it way better than I did. It's like, I mean, but it's still not the best. And we right. could, we got some things we can work on. I right. appreciate that part that it's not like how you had it, but it ain't perfect either, you know? So we got to <laughs> always evolve and try to work on ourselves and always gain that knowledge of self, man, and, and – also, the show Euphoria is a real controversial show, but I think it shows the, like, messed up situations that kids go through. And it's mainly suburban kids and stuff like that. But I know you work with younger kids, and I wanted you to just speak about, you know, just from what you're seeing, you know, not nobody in particular, but just the effects of, like, how people don't understand of, like, how these kids grow up really shapes their life because right now everybody's like, this show is too much. It's too graphic. It's showing, I don't like this. It's just raunchy, but it's literally showing you how everybody gets to a certain point of how they are. It's literally molding. Clay is all rough and beat up and then you got to mold it into something beautiful. And I think that's what euphoria is doing, but I think the media and stuff is trying to spin it. And they don't want you to really get that real, real. Like, when stuff gets too real, people got to spin it. Like, oh, no, this ain't good. But for yeah. you, how do you, from what do you see on a day-to-day -day basis, how important is it to mold these children and to have that role model in their life that, you know, because their home life may not be great, but how real is it? Like, the difference in euphoria and what you see. Well, one, I mean... People have no clue of what these kids go through, right? And everybody has a cookie-cutter image in their head about kids at certain levels. Like right now, at my current um, position, I'm working in an elementary school. And I'm not going to lie, when I first, you know, uh, I've been in high school for a number of years, middle school, but elementary, this is my first taste of elementary. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to go to an elementary school. It's going to be little kids. We're going to be you know, I have to get Band-Aids and lollipops and it's going to be a breeze. That's what I'm thinking, you know. But these elementary kids are just smaller versions of the middle and high school kids. They have the same issues because guess what? These are the siblings of the middle and high school kids who live in the same household. Yeah. That they, they go through the same trauma. They live in the same neighborhoods. I mean, I, I've had kids kidnapped home invaded, witness murders. You know, I have kids that are third graders, but they tend to the needs of their, their younger siblings. 
make sure they eat, take a bath and stuff like that. They stay at home by themselves because the parents, most time it's their mom or the grandmother are off at work. So they have to fend for themselves, right? So these kids, you know, developmentally, they are at a certain level. But mentally and emotionally, they're fast forwarding because they really are not getting the eight. They're not able to be a kid, you know, uh, in their kid's space. And when they come to school, a lot of folks expect, oh, okay, you're a kindergarten. You're supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. You don't say this. You don't talk like this or whatever. They want to correct all the things, you know, about these kids, but they don't first get to understand who they are, where they come from. They don't know who they are or whose they are. You know, so you you uh, you tarnish relationships. You don't even have an opportunity to establish a relationship for the most part because you you already have in your mind a fixated place that they should be. They should be like this because that's what you saw when you grew up. But the times have changed. Right. The, the, the situations have changed. You know, the dialogue we're talking about. You know, trying to tell a kid how to speak. Well, you can't cuss in my classroom. Well, if I had, if you had two French students come in, right? They came in today. They don't speak a lick of English. They all speak French. Are you going to say, hey, you stop speaking that damn French in here. We don't, we don't play that here. Yep. You, you wouldn't dare do that. You would try to put some things in place, you know, um, you know, hook them up with a translator or whatever. You put things in place for that kid. But what about the kid that only speaks a fuck you? Yeah. You bitch ass motherfucker. Yeah. Because that's the language that they speak at their house. Yep. Now, either you learn to speak that language, get a translator, but allow the kid to talk. As long as the kid is talking, you can find out what's going on. Yep. Now, when you establish that relationship and, you know, you're able to insert some, some things, you know, that's the time to do it, but you don't, you know, cut them off because you're going to lose them. Let them speak. And then when you get the opportunity to say, hey, you know, uh, Reggie, I understand, you know, um, if I heard you correctly, you said X, Y, and Z. And I got your point. And I noticed your passion. And I noticed you don't use some language that probably wasn't appropriate for this setting, but I appreciate you being expressive. But in the future, when we have our talks, I want you to feel safe enough with Mr. Stark to understand that you don't have to say those words and we can probably learn and learn to substitute those harsh inappropriate words for, you know, um, a better set of vocabulary words that make that communication a little more effective, you know, but that takes time, you know, and a lot of times people aren't willing to do that because they're so fixated on how they were trained. This is what we learned in school. Well, at my other school, we did it like this. Well, your other school wasn't all old, old, old national. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you didn't have the population or demographics that we had. You know, so you have to adjust accordingly, you know? Yeah, this school is just like, like for me, even with the social media and stuff like that, I'm like, man, these kids, you know, they talking about they depressed and this and that. And, man, they soft. They couldn't deal with us joking around and all that. But one day I was having a talk with a dude at work. We always have good, deep talks. And it was just like, it's not that they soft and things like this. Imagine you a little girl and you got you a little boyfriend and then 
you sh- sending nudes, sending your boobs or whatever, with your facing and all that to a little twelve year old boy. This dude can literally hit sin and the world can see it. You can go this thing called viral where millions of people can see it. So I, I had to step back and I said, maybe these kids aren't soft. They just growing up in an era that I have nothing. Right. I don't know nothing about that. Now, if you get in a fight or you get joked on, people in the neighborhood might know. But now the world could possibly know. You know, push up a button. the little Terrios, we laugh at these big kids or this or that but it's like man i never thought of it until we was having that conversation that day they not soft they just like you said they dealing with different things that all that learning that you knew and you was taught through school you can't bring that to the classroom now you got to bring a different perspective you got to know what you're gonna go for and what you're not gonna go for as far as respect and disrespect but far as like how they taught you to do it that's not gonna work in every setting you know, everybody got to adjust and everybody got to, you know, change their way of thinking and evolve because sometimes what we thought five years ago, we don't think now, you know, money, relationships, everything. We don't think the same. Hopefully we grow from things, man. And what I like about Hand Up Foundation is that you offering a hand up, just like what I said about Nipsey Hustle, teaching people how to fish. You know what I'm saying? Like that. What are you trying to do? in the mission of the Hand Up Foundation. All right, so with with um, with my foundation, like you said, we're hand up, not a handout. If we, if we you know, teach you the skills that got you in the, in, in the predicament that you, you find yourself in, we teach you the skills so you don't repeat that again. We'll provide the assistance, but we'll teach you how to navigate for the future so that you don't find yourself going down that road again. Because the thing is, I, I you know, the foundation is not to be a, a, a revolving door where you constantly coming in and now here we go again. We want to give you the skills necessary to, you know, handle those, you know, life challenges that will, you know, in, inevitably come your way, you know. So that that's it in a nutshell right there. You know, we provide uh, community support, outreach, mentoring, you know, um, we do a lot of, um, you know, holiday, uh, you know, benevolent offerings and things of that nature to help kids, you know, and the families to, you know, get certain things. So you won't go without, you know, I remember, I remember, you know, very lean Christmases, you know, very lean Thanksgivings, you know, we, we didn't have a lot, right? But when everybody didn't have a lot, it was like, you know, poor people not realizing that you're poor, exactly. you know, and that's and that's a mindset. But, you know, the kids are, you know, driven by what they see. And obviously, you know, if they come to school and, you know, their friends have certain things, they're obviously going to want the same thing, you know, and it's OK. But you let folks know, hey, these things aren't. These aren't standard. These are luxury things that you have to work for. And we have to realize that even with our own kids, because I, I, I was guilty of this myself, because I spoiled all my kids because I had so little that I wanted to m- make sure that they had an abundance of everything that they wanted, even stuff that they didn't ask for. I remember from w- when I was able, providing Christmases, stuff you couldn't even walk in the room. 
Barbie cars, Jeeps, and Barbie houses, all this fabulous stuff. And then the kids come out and they go to a little, the jacks and the ball. And they sitting over there playing jacks or tic-tac-toe on the paper. I'm like, man, they, you know, hey, what about this right here? This dog, didn't you like this? No, they weren't. <laughs> we create the kids that we have, you know, making, you know, uh, $200, $400 sneakers for, you know, middle school, even high schoolers. You know, something that they want, they have to have. You know, if folks aren't paying their light bill to make sure that they are, you know, uh, uh, in the latest drip. Yeah. You know, but you living in squalor in a, a, you know, apartment complex that's your spot is right next to a bando. You know, I mean, we we have to condition our mindset, condition our kids because kids only want what, what you provide, really. They're going to want other stuff, but you let them know, hey, that's cool to want this, but we got to work for this right here. It's okay if you, you know, save your allowance and you are able to get that, you know, then go for it. I did that with my son, right? And he he would go to the store, go to Walmart, and he'd just start picking up stuff, boom, 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 just dropping stuff in there, video games, um, uh, VCR tapes, DVDs, whatever it was. And I started giving him an allowance. I said, okay, man, just save your money. You know, and you'll have him go to the store. He started putting stuff in the cart. I said, dude, uh, you remember you got you got money so you can pay for your own stuff. He looked, he was like, and he picked it, he picked up the daggone. I'm not paying $19.95 for this. So he started using his money. He started thinking differently. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I don't need all of these right here. You know? So you just Foster a certain, help them, you know, foster a different mindset. Hey, you got to work for it. Use your money. Yeah, yeah. Okay? And the whole narrative is going to shift. You know, you they'll be more mindful of how they spend. And the memories is just, I, I mean, for me, I love to travel. And they're like, oh, you travel a lot and things like that. And I don't have my one pair of Jordans that I bought. I, you know, got some for christmas or something because everybody that knows me they know i'm not gonna pay for it because i realized younger in life and paying for things for myself it was like look experiences is something like would you rather have all the jordans or would you have to say like hey man stark remember we was laughing in puerto rico about this or remember this happened in this island and it's a memory that i could have forever but these jordans two three weeks from now they're gonna be outdated but these memories is going to be here forever. And also, you right. know, for your kids, it's like, hey, if we didn't have as much, but we have some great memories together. That's great. But I could give you all these Jordans and stuff, but I can't give you me. That's not good. And then, you mm-hmm. know, you know, we come from a place that like, we just want everybody to do better and change their mindset on it. And it's just a lack of information. And it's a lack of knowledge that, you know, people, they feel like this is what I should do. This is what I'm supposed to do. Well, my kids should look this way. My kids should be that way. And they do it from a good place. But it's other things that need to be set in place that maybe they, the parents, don't have the mental capacity or the skills yet to let them know, like, certain things is more important. Us spending time, us having game night, us doing things for others as a family, things like that. That's more important than all of us having the Jordans and stuff like that. If we're not in a good situation financially, 
but we spending and buying things that's gonna get us you know even worse situation that's not good i'm not and i preach to people the memories like we go on a cruise or something it's like 300 dollars or something that you could spend a year if you have to or more you could put 20 dollars every paycheck or something and a lot of things in this world and then for our people is that they don't even try you don't even know like your jordans and stuff you buy if you the four of your jordans could pay for a trip to mm-hmm. africa or somewhere like that that you never been in and blow your mind it's it's something about it. and you're well traveled seeing things that you've seen in books when you actually see it for yourself you're like whoa this is kind of crazy and i didn't know in my life that i would be here you are well traveled it's, it's something amazing about seeing things that you never even thought of seeing and then you're a part right. of it. It, it it's a big thing and it's right. a great thing man and, and i heard you say it before man and it really stuck out to me is that when they say they hide the knowledge from black people in the books and it's something so crazy that they never wanted us to read in the plantation and slavery days because why they knew that if we get the knowledge right it's over we wouldn't go for the foolishness that's why even now with with how history is framed right and what is actually brought out in history it it, it doesn't really give you an indication of what really happened it's it's a story it's not our story culturally. It's his story. That's history. That's his story. Yeah. Their story, right? Yeah. You know, but think about this, right? Just like you said, that knowledge that that that's in between the binders of those of those, you know, great works, written works. You know, we were forbidden, even killed, if we tried to read, you know. And my mom told me that a long years ago. Years ago, my ears first came in, you know, about how important it was to read. And I saw her read. She read to us. And I'm not going to lie. I wasn't I wasn't fully sold on it, but it it grew on me because that's what that knowledge was in between the pages. We didn't have um, high speed Internet back in the day, giga speed that you could just type in. You know, who is such and such? And the answer just pops up and they give you videos and all this other stuff. You had to dig in those books, the annals of all the, you know, uh, the the great works of literature or whatever, just to get, you know, that truth. And if we embraced the even the the possibility of in-depth reading and understanding and comprehending from whence we came, right? Imagine the power in that right there. You would have questions, right? And when you ask enough questions, people are going to have to give you some answers. And, and you just can't take the answers for base value. Now that you have a baseline knowledge of what it is that you are, are, are seeking, then you can further research that and get deeper into the knowledge and raise even greater questions. Well, wait a minute. How did Christopher Columbus discover America and Native Americans are already here? How can you discover something that's already discovered? That's a question I asked my social studies teacher, you know, back in Northeast Middle School in Baltimore. And she looked at me like, nigga, what? Yeah, yeah it, it's just, 
I don't know, man. It's just like, and it really shows you right now to question everything. A big hot topic is critical race theory, where they kind of want to do away with all the. We don't need to talk about that no more. So if they're doing that now, imagine when I was in school, when you were in school, how much watering down for all the people that love snowfall and all the drug stuff. They putting a cut on this history. They not really telling us. They not selling us the pure unraw right. Colombian good powder. They putting a cut on a lot of stuff that we learned. So we don't know, you know, and then like for black people, especially we've been stripped of our last name. We've been stripped of our heritage. We've been stripped. I've heard in, you know, Africa, when you do like an African ancestry, you'll learn what kind of tribe you from. Like for me, I like to dance. You're a smart, intelligent engineer type brain. You might come from a tribe that just we create things out of nothing. I come from a dancing tribe and a talking tribe and a creative tribe. This person comes from all the introverted people. They're quiet, but they're real thinkers. They're sewers. They do different things. We don't know any of that because right. it's been stripped from us. And right. then even when you try to learn through a book or something like that, no, 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 you couldn't do that. No, so right. it, it's, it's just crazy. And that's why we got to do more uplifting and we got to be patient with our brothers and sisters because it's hard mm -hmm. to talk to somebody and they just completely brainwashed from like the world and anything you got to say. But you got to understand they've been spoon fed bullshit their whole life in the wrong way, their whole life. And they was raised up in a household that maybe was spoon fed even worse. And then when you try to develop your own brain, you're weird or you too outspoken or you need mm -hmm. to be quiet. You need to be seen and not heard. And like, even for women now it's great. Cause like women are so propelled now to be great. They don't have to just find a good man and be quiet. It don't matter if he cheat on you. It don't matter if he beat on you. They ain't going mm -hmm. for that no more. Right. They get money. They getting big money now. So right. Absolutely. It's just, it's just amazing, man. It's amazing. And so many ways to get it, man. Now, where do you stand now? Cause I know education is at the top, but now with this information age, you can also get money on your own. So where do you stand for a young guy? If your parents got, I feel like now if your parents got a stack of money waiting for you and you always wanted to be, you always mess with cars and you always did this, they may give you the money to, they have for college for your first mechanic shop, or you can go to college. So how do you feel about that? What do you feel like now for us kids growing up? The school route, it you know, versus the entrepreneur route. Because to me personally, I feel like it depends on the kid. If they didn't have that hustle, the entrepreneurship, I think all kids need to go to school and network and mm -hmm. learn something. Because that piece of paper, literally some jobs is giving you a bunch of money just to have a degree in anything. Right. But for a young guy that... He's been cutting hair since he was 15. He been, you know, he knows how to clean a shoe a certain way. He does this. I think now that you can give a kid money for their own business or you can give a kid money for college, which networking in college and everything is just great. And the experience of being around kids and camaraderie and kind of being grown in your own is great. So how do you feel about that now navigating through life from when you grew up to now? Well, I think, you know, I, it's always good to have that support. Don't get me wrong, you know, but, you know, that, that internal motivation, right. 
that that fuel, that passion that drives you to do whatever it is that you say you want to do, you know, that has to come from within because I can put money in, into somebody with all these ideas, but the ideas don't pan out to be anything. So you just investing in something that, you know, a, a bag with a hole in it. You just drop money, just falling, in, you know, to the ground. But if you, you know, you truly want to help a kid, you know, find out, you know, where that passion lies, right? From a tra- from a, um, a transitional form, um, you know, point of view, you know, that kid coming from middle school going to high school, that's a huge transition that people overlook, right? That eighth grader is going from, you know, a, a semi-structured environment, you know, to an environment, you know, where one, you're expected to get from point A to point B on your own. And they do that a little bit in middle schools, depending on what district you're in, you know, but they, they, they loosen the reins on you a little bit, right? But when you go to that, um, to the high school from eighth grade, you know, certain things should be done. I think each, each kid, each young person should have some type of career interest inventory assessment done on them, either, you know, by, you know, one of their specialist teachers, even the parents can do it. It's free, go online, and you just answer a series of questions, right? And the questions may be um, worded, they may be the same questions, worded differently because they want to make sure they are grasping the true essence of who that student is. And at the end of that assessment, it'll spit out a percentage of, you know, uh, your interest in a a certain career field. Uh, You might score uh, 80% in the field of business, 50% in culinary arts, 10% in business, you know, 75% in public service, military, fire department, police, or something to that effect. And with that information, it tools down and you can see the different career fields that are fall on, you know, within that specific career management field. So you're able to look at positions that you never even thought about as a youngster. Well, if you can select your your uh, pathway classes for high school based on your interests, then you're more likely to take these classes seriously, right? Because it's something that you're interested in and you're learning about. They just throw you in in um, ROTC and you want to be in woodshop, you're going to have a kid that's going to be like bucking. I'm not dressing out. I'm not doing this. I'm not putting a uniform on. If I do, it's just going to be because I'm not in it. But if you give that kid the opportunity the transition and talk about the classes that are available based on your interest level, right? And then within that um, that class, that pathway class, the teacher is creative enough, and a lot of them are, where they provide you with job shadowing activities, you know, um, mentoring program, internships, so that you can explore these careers before you pay that money to a four-year institution for a career field that you would never work in, that you would never find joy in, that you would call work. Because I feel like this, if you go to a job and it feels like work, or you go to a place of employment, people that pay you, and it feels like work, then I'm not doing it. I'm done with it. If, if what I do starts to feel like work, I'm moving on. You know, And that's how people need to look at it. And if we, if we groom our kids accordingly, 
Now, there are programs out there, and I know they work because I was a part of these programs, but it seems like when a certain program is beneficial, you know, to certain folks, it's like, you know, opportunity looks different. It's more people with a seat at the table. It's more people matriculating to, to colleges, trade schools, positions, you know, out in the public based on what they have learned and what they're moving towards. And their success rate is going to, you know, be uh, exponentially greater. So, I mean, it, there's so many things that we can do and that we can put in place, but we have to, we have to take advantage of it, you know? Yeah. And, and for you, I always uh, wondered and I always think about how did you just set your mind that like, hey, I'm going to figure this thing out and I'm going to be successful because, I mean, I know you and I feel like you're the rare person that you are successful financially, but more than financially, your character. When people think of start, they don't think of, you know, all of this money and all of that and all that. But you do well in both. They think of more of your character. How did you set your mind that after school, man, I'm going to do something with my life that I'm going to be, I'm going to still be me, but I'm also going to make myself in a better financial situation than what I had growing up. How did you make that? It, it, was, a work, it was a work in progress, right? And, and there was some stumbling blocks. I mean, times was tough. We had to make do, right? And, you know, I knew that. But it, it's the, the teachings of my dad, right? He put some things in my head early on. He said he worked hard using his back. He wanted his kids to use their minds, right? And that, that was motivation for me because my dad didn't finish school. My mom went to college, but my dad didn't finish school. He had to work. He had to provide. And he, he, he set the tone. He was the model. Now, was he perfect? No. He wasn't perfect. He did some things that were questionable. But as a, as a young man, again, as I said earlier, you can take that one or two ways. You know, hey, he did some great things. He influenced me in a positive way. Some of the things that he did that I didn't agree with, I didn't do. Like alcohol. I didn't touch alcohol forever, right? I just recently started, uh, you know, partaking, you know, several years back, you know. One, because I'm at a different stage in my life, right? I don't have to have my head on the swivel. I'm not in, in the military anymore. I don't, you know. And, and not that I don't have to keep my head on the swivel, but I don't partake unless I'm in the comforts of my home or in an environment that I am totally secure with, you know. And I, I saw what it did to him, you know, physically. I saw what it did to him on a on a safety aspect, you know, uh, you know, crashing cars, DUIs, and things of that nature. Each incident could have resulted in his untimely death, right? Mm -hmm. So all that anxiety and all that, you know, but I learned from my dad, you know, certain things and I carried them on. And, you know, going in the military, it was a struggle early on. It was just like, it was a different type of poverty as a young soldier growing up in the military, you know? And it just took time, you know? You learn things. You set up your, your accounts. You set up your finances. I had a budget that I wrote on a piece of notebook paper. I knew how much I got, 
and I knew what had to be paid. And did the math, this was left over. And we had to make sure that we budgeted accordingly or we would be destitute, even in the military, in the confines of the military. You know, so you just had to be smart. And as you gain rank, gain more um, uh, finance, you know, made more money, learn to make better decisions. And it's about the people that you're around. If you're around older, you know, have some older mentors, some people that say, hey, you might want to, you know, put your money over here in, uh, you know, 401k. Uh, go with Fidelity. I remember joining Fidelity when they first kicked off back, uh, it was back in the, the early 80s, you know, and just riding that, you know, insurance. Make sure you have insurance, you know, set up your wills and trusts, you know. Just, just different things that I got now gained knowledge and access to. And then it just, you know, made me think differently and act differently to position myself to do, you know, big and better things for my family and to teach them the same thing so they can do big and better things for their family. You know, one thing I tell my son all the time is that, you know, because he always, he, sometimes I know he thinks that I'm being harsh or hard or critical, just putting really unrealistic demands on him. But all I want him to do is to be better than me, better situated than me. He's a great kid, character and all that, a lot of charisma. But I tell him, hey, man, I want to be able to fit my house in your backyard. I want your house to be larger. Yeah. Not necessarily physically, but the ability to purchase and do what you need to do. You don't have to outdo me, but be in a position to be able to do whatever you need to do to exceed where I am so that your kids can continue on that legacy because they'll see what you bring, what you did, how you had to work and all that stuff is just, it's, it's a lesson. It's a life lesson. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, like you said, uh, just your parents and then, you know, growing up and everything and what you learn, the do's and don'ts. And I think like, for all of us, after a while, we have to learn that our parents are just human beings. They are just their first name. They're just, you know, who they are. And we got to learn to have patience. We got to learn to have grace because we don't know what put them in their situations and made them the way they are. But like we take the good and the bad from, like you said for earlier too, everybody we meet. And I think that's the beautiful thing. And then, mm -hmm. you know, I, I can't definitely get out of here and wrap up without saluting the great queen from above mama francis a beautiful woman a beautiful oh, yeah. soul i was blessed to be around for a few years for that but you know the soul of you know i i seen that you know in you guys and y'all relationship and how she was as a person like she could not say a word but her spirit spoke a lot about peace and harmony and just grace and the love of her kids man so definitely a shout mm -hmm. out to beautiful, the great Mama Francis. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, sir. And, and longevity, man. Longevity and what people don't understand for you to have so many years with one person, man, and raising kids and growing together, man. How amazing is that to just go through life? Because you literally growing with a partner that you choose throughout your life, man. And I feel like, you know, even with the kids in our life, I think that we rub off on them because all they see is longevity. 
that's all they know is just like being a rock. They ain't really see us as guys or them as females, you know, playing around with this dude and then that dude and that dude. All they see is longevity. So how important is that for you to just have that longevity of growing with somebody and as a person, man, as individuals for that long and raising kids to be great people? Yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely it's definitely a blessing. You know, um, I will tell you it's work, you know, because it's work. It's work. And anything worth having, you have to work for. You know, you know, your vows say, you know, for better, for worse, or richer for poor, you know. We we've been through it. We I think we we didn't tested the vows, you know, and you know, here we stand still on, you know. Come back on out on the other side, still together, right? And 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 that's a that's a um, again that's a that's a blessing. But again, that that work it, it speaks volumes, you know. Because I know I'm not the I'm not the easiest person to uh, to live with because I I'm, I have certain things in my mind that how I want things to operate, and you know she is the same way, strong level, you know. And, and and she's a lot lot more hostile than me. I'm I'm kind of cool with it, but you know, and you just have to learn to work within that, within the confines of of that relationship, and you know, learn to, um, not necessarily. But you're gonna have to bend a little bit, but you're gonna have to make compromises. You're gonna have to be like, okay, I see your perspective, and and not and not, you know, agreeing. Doesn't mean I don't love you. Doesn't mean I hate you. Doesn't mean that you're less intelligent than me or vice versa. It just means that we have varying perspectives. And that's good because opposites do attract. You don't want somebody that everything you say, yes, whatever you like, whatever you like, bark like a dog. You know, you don't want that because that gets old. That All that's going to get old yeah. after a while, you know, and it's not going to be true. It's not going to be authentic. You know, then you're going to get to the point where if I already know what you're going to say, I no longer have to say anything to you. Now, if we don't communicate, who are you? Right. Why are you here? Right. Now we start looking for exit strategies. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I think so. I mean, it, it, it balances out, really. You know, yeah. and if for the relationship to work, you're going to have to have all the components hitting on all cylinders, or at least hitting on a couple of cylinders to keep you right there engaged long enough to come to your senses, to see what what the other person is truly trying to articulate, and just be like, okay, I, I get where you're coming from. Now, you know, because that's why you're going to go like this. Yeah, it's, it's growth. It's literally growing year to year, day to day, month to month with a person, and each day we're going to become different people, so the ability to still keep going with the same person is an amazing feat that a lot of people fall short at you know at yeah. some point but for y'all to be able to look back like damn man i was in boot camp here or i was in high school here or first kid here and this is the first house here we was broke here we had money here mm -hmm. we didn't like right. i don't think nobody trades that i know you don't take that for granted at all to build what you build with the same person and grow and I just think that, like, for women, too, it's just like, like, literally, if you look at things, I've been breaking it down to people. I always wanted to learn chess, and I finally learned it. 
because it's a smart person's game. But if you really think about chess, right, the queen can literally move any way she wants, right? Mm-hmm. But the king could only take one step forward, one step back, one step to the side. And I just think that throughout time and throughout history is that it's always a queen right there. And the queen gives you that balance. Because mm-hmm. where, you know, something happened, we like, nah, man, get every gun we got in the house. We're going to go blow this whole thing up, blah, blah, blah. We're going to shoot it up, bang, bang. The queen gives you that balance of, hey, hold on. I'm mm-hmm. not saying let's not do anything, but let me just offer you another way, another idea. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying let's spend all the money. Let's let me just tell you, do it this way, do it that way. It's literally that balance, and I think that's a beautiful thing of what y'all have is that that balance is just like to still decide to still be with each other and stick it out and just to be happy. And it, y'all laugh and y'all joke and y'all share because, you know, out there right now, it's ugly. You ask anybody that's in the dating scene or whew, it's it's rough, rough, rough out there. It's, it's not good at all. So it's a blessing to see what y'all have created together, you know, from looking at the, you know, anniversary pictures y'all had and just being there and seeing the the twinkle y'all still got for each other y'all could dance together y'all could laugh together watch a movie or a new show or anything together man it's just really amazing so we had to big up the queen bridge appreciate that we had to man so we about to get out of here man but what i like to do is speak into existence within the next year what's gonna happen for Brother Stark and Hand Up Foundation, man. This time next year, what you going to accomplish, man? What we're looking at, I mean, um, I want to extend that reach. Um, I know I work within the, you know, the, the city of Atlanta, Fulton County, Henry. You know, I want to extend that on. I want to provide, you know, um, you know, more services to more people. I want, you know, to 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 get that word out, you know, that there is options. There, there are options. There are, you know, are opportunities for you if you just, you know, seek them out and don't be afraid to ask for assistance. A lot of people that pride get in the way and, and, and pride to be that thing that, that kind of holds you back from your true destiny. You know, if you want to, if, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. All right. Fast is not always good, but if you want to go far, Take a team. Hand up two, three. Foundation, Inc. And this is recorded.